Welcome to the 30 to Life podcast, where we break stereotypes, build legacies, and help others along the way. It's your boy, Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. Welcome to season three. Humanitarian, award-winning actor, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. You may have seen him in many movies and different television projects, but he's currently starring in the ABC's number one television drama, The Good Doctor. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and make sure that you share with a friend or family member. Hill Harper is one of the founders of The Black Wall Street, which is the world's first Black-owned digital wallet, been built and designed by the community, with the community, for the community. So you've been hearing about Bitcoin, you've been hearing about Ethereum, you've been hearing about Doge, you've been hearing about so many uh, different ways of the digital transformation that we're going through right now. So grab your pins, grab your pads, and let's learn you something. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Hill. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate what you're doing for our community, um, your amazing career that you have and all the things you have accomplished is definitely something that we inspire to do each and every day. So yeah, I wanted to just, you know, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being a part of the 30 to life experience. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Great to be on. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to get right to it. You know, when that, ask regarding your app and really just get down to what was the motivation behind creating the app? Uh, what was the motivation to creating the Black Wall Street, um, a digital wallet, Black owned? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. You know, it goes back 10 years uh, for me. Uh, 10 years ago, I published a book it's right here called The Wealth Cure. And it was all about how do we cure the racial wealth gap. And at that time, technology was not where it needed to be to actually do the type of scale um, wealth creation uh, that we can do right now. We're in an amazing window of time right now, um, but we're also uh, in a state of emergency. Uh, so it's a crazy thing. There's this amazing opportunity for wealth creation, but at the same time, we are mired in so many systemic and institutional barriers to that wealth creation that if we are strategic, though, we can tear it down. And, and so I really had to sit back and say, you know, um, deal with a deal with a data point that really bothers me. And it, it, it's simply this that in 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, Black people in America held a little less than 1% of American wealth. Today, 2021, Black people in America hold a little less than 1% of American wealth. And so how could it be that after 400 years of free labor, not being able to own property, not being able to uh, 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 own yourself, uh, that 158 years later, after we so-called have had that ability to do those things, we have not changed the actual wealth percentage in our country. And so obviously we can talk about a lot of different things that feed into that, but it, it really boils down to systemic and institutional racism and, and, and racist barriers to wealth creation um, that, that still exists to this day in so many ways, yet new and emerging technologies, and this is why I created this platform and this ecosystem, new and emerging technologies, decentralized technologies, specifically blockchain and others, allow us to attack the, the systemic and institutional problems that have been race-based. Because the, the amazing thing about many of these technologies is that they literally do offer uh, a playing field that is agnostic uh, to who you are because they don't even know who you are. That's what they call a trustless system, right? Or a smart contract. You don't even know who is on the other end of the transaction. So it's very difficult to be systemically racist to that person. And all we've ever wanted fundamentally is fairness. You know, that's all we've ever wanted. Is we would, no one's ever said we need more. We need handouts. People just like, yo, just treat me fair. I'm, I'm good. I can actually work this out myself. And that's what a lot of this technology is offering us. And I, and, but it's imperative that we own our own platforms. And so to answer your question specifically, why did I start a Black-owned digital wallet? Um, a dollar leaves the Black community right now in six to seven hours. And I believe if we don't start owning our own wallets in the midst of this transition out of fiat and hard money into digital currency and cryptocurrency, then that number will go down to six to seven seconds. 
And so we have to, you know, we can't just sit back and let Apple Wallet happen, Zelle, PayPal, uh, Cash App, all of these things. And they're marketing to you, right? They are marketing to us. Cash App is trying to tell you Cash App's for the culture. Really? Whose culture? And who owns it? You know who owns it? Square. You know what they just got? An industrial bank license. You know what they're going to do with that? They're going to become a digital payday lender. That's it. So we have to be able to pull back the onion. We have to speak truth to power and we have to own our own tech platforms. And if we don't start doing that, we're going to be mired and completely locked out. And that's why I'm doing this. So I've heard that they're comparing cryptocurrency or just blockchain technology uh, similar to the Internet before it was the Internet. And uh, you mentioned, you know, that right now is there there's a window of opportunity. Uh, can you go more into that? Why is now more of a window of opportunity than? OK, yeah, yeah that's a great. Question. So you have to, we have to first of all, let's talk about the history of money in the history of currency. And so forever, there's been different types of money, different types of stores of value. There was a time historically where salt was the most valued commodity. Why? In part, because there was no refrigeration. So if you killed a big old buffalo, it really did you no good if you couldn't preserve it, right? Because literally, you could maybe get through the leg and, you know, and then it's gone. So what was the use? But if you had salt, you could preserve it, right? In fact, you could preserve it well enough to be able to sell it to other people and monetize your, your, your kill or whatever. So salt became a very valuable commodity. Now, we can name many other commodities and many other things that were exchanged as if they were money or stores of value. You know, here's the deal. Fast forward, I, just, I don't want to go through too much monetary history, but fast forward to 1971, when the U.S. dollar was separated from the gold standard. Now, what that did was it allowed the U.S. government to begin to print as much money as they wanted to and have nothing to actually back it up um, because but they did have something to back it up. They had a military, a really, really strong military. And they actually put things on the note to make you really trust them. You know, God, we trust and a pyramid and all these symbols, different things. So so people would have full faith in this note, even though there was not much backing up, said except the military and, 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 and the government. So. What started to happen, though, is that if you hold held those notes, the purchasing power of that note has been dwindling. It's been dwindling for a long time. And so if you're all in cash, you're actually getting poorer every day. So what's the problem in our community? The problem in our community is that 90, 95 percent of the portfolio holdings of our community is in cash. So every time we go to bed at night, we get poor by the time we wake up in the morning. So what does that mean? It means you have to trade more of your time for money, more of your time for actually less purchasing power. So people are working. We all know people working three jobs. OK, three jobs, but barely making ends meet. Why? Because the purchasing power of what they're earning has not kept up with inflation or the lowering purchasing power of the dollar. But alternatively, the richest people in the world have 90 to 95% of their assets in what you call ascending value asset classes, high value real estate, blue chip stocks, mutual funds, fine art, Bitcoin, et cetera. These are ascending gold. These are ascending value asset classes that over time, compared to the declining purchasing power of the dollar, are going up in price because it's going to take more dollars to purchase one of those things. So we have traditionally and historically been locked out. We've had multiple barriers to entry into those ascending value asset classes until now. The barrier to entry has been ripped down for Bitcoin. Why? On my wallet, the Black Wall Street digital wallet, you can download it. You can do your KYC process. There's still some barriers. Watch this. There's still barriers. You got to go through KYC, which means know your customer, which means you got to put in your government ID. And then you got to have a bank account, another barrier to entry. And, and then you have to link that bank account to the wallet. You also have to have a phone and internet service. So these are still real barriers to entry. And I'm trying to discount them because there's a whole group of people that don't have any of those things that I'm, tr I'm trying to figure out new and different ways on my platform to service as well. But the point is right now, you have to have all those things. But let's say you have all those things. You can, without having to go to uh, 
uh, one of the credit rating agencies to have them rate your credit based off an algorithm that probably doesn't favor you. Again, institutional, systemic. Um, you don't have to rely on an appraisal that, again, institutional, systemic, under appraising of, of an asset in, in our neighborhoods. You don't have to. So, you, you know, all of these different barriers to entry, um, you can go straight and buy that asset class. And if you do it smartly, you'll be in an ascending value asset class and you'll be getting out of cash. And so it's not so much me running around telling people buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. It's me saying, sell your dollars, sell your dollars, get out of cash. I actually don't care what ascending value asset class you get into. If you sell your dollars and get into high value real estate, great, do that. If you sell your dollars and get into high value dividend paying stocks, great, do that. If you sell and get into really fine art, do that, great. Whatever it is, get out of cash. That's the key. The easiest way and the lowest friction way right now, and, and in many ways, I believe the highest ascending value is to get into certain cryptocurrencies mainly Bitcoin. Um, and we can peel back the onion on why I feel that way. But to your earlier point, man, Bitcoin is the internet of money. That's the way you, you, you can think about it. Bitcoin is the internet of money. And, uh, uh, and the beautiful thing about it is that just like any money, if you, if you control the asset class, you actually control value. And so if we can move our community into Bitcoin, see, nobody owns Bitcoin. There's not some central place that owns Bitcoin. No one controls it. We can control it if we move in that asset, asset class because there's so little adoption right now. It, there's only like 2% adoption in the whole world. There's only $1 trillion in the asset class. We have $1.2 trillion of spending power just in the Black American community every year. So that's more than the total amount that's in Bitcoin completely. We literally could control that asset class by not even moving that much money in by a small fraction of that 1.2 trillion. We could control that asset class. And if we control Bitcoin, the rest of the world would have to come through us to, to, to do it. And even if the rest of the world didn't, we still could exchange with it within our own ecosystem. So that's the power of this. We become self-sovereign and self-sovereignty and self-power and self-reliance is all we need, I believe, to deal and solve the racial wealth gap. So you mentioned that the dollar stays within the black community six to seven hours. Can you just go into a little bit more why your app would increase that time? Okay. so. I always like to look back to look forward. The reason why I named it the Black Wall Street is I, I believe there were three pillars that created the group economic success in that ecosystem, the Greenwood District between 1905 and 1921. And then they actually rebuilt after 1921 and, and, and were able to, in certain ways, replicate that until they did all sorts of things, put a freeway through it, did all sorts of things to crush and choke that community. Um, but the three pillars were simply this. Institutional ownership, we own the businesses. Pillar number two, institutional trust. Imagine that, we trusted each other, we actually invested in each other, we worked together, we supported each other. And if you actually really peel back the onion on that, name me a place in any type of world where when we as black folk are working together, we aren't incredibly successful. Um, does not, not exist. Does not exist, look at music. Where do we have our, some of our most successes when collaboration happens? Look, look at, you know, sports. If you, it, 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 yet somehow in business and in money, we've gotten away from that. They've been extremely strategic to make sure that we somehow don't trust each other and don't transact with each other and make us be, believe that there's a trust issue or there's only room for only one winner or whatever that is. I'm trying to blow through that mentality because I truly believe that institutional trust piece is a critical piece. But the most important piece, I believe, as far as wealth creation is the third and final piece, which is the movement of money or capital within the ecosystem. Dollar changed hands 60 to 100 times in, 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 that, in the Greenwood district. That was a year to three years. And like I said before, dollar leaves back in New York now between six to seven hours. And, and so, so why does a wallet help solve that? Well, first of all, the wallet is just the MVP of the Black Wall Street. I hope people start calling the wallet itself like Black Cash and then the actual platform, the Black Wall Street, because the whole idea of the, the platform is to develop a complete 360 microeconomy where you can 
exchange for good and service. You can get loans and credit. You can get all everything, single financial service you can think of. We can do it a very low cost way on the platform. Obviously, with tech platforms, you don't wait to launch everything that you build at once. What you do is you launch what they call an MVP which is your minimal viable product, right? You launch that and then you keep iterating and adding features and pieces over time. So to answer your question about why, why did we start with a wallet and why do we start with Bitcoin? It's to get people in the mindset of getting out of cash and understanding that the wallet and the way you pay for things and how you receive money and get money, be intentional about it. This is all about intentionality because we really have to shift the mindset of folks. So we have educational videos on the platform because we have to educate people about financial literacy and everything we're talking about already on here. And then once people get a little educated about it, then they have to change their mindset and say, hey, I can actually transact on a black owned platform and then figure out a way to hold, 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 and then start to recirculate the dollar on the platform. That's the that's the critical piece, right? If we recirculate the digital and crypto dollar on the Black Wall Street platform, what does that allow our platform to do? It allows us to then start writing 50 to $50,000 small business loans to small startups and businesses. Why is that key? Now, let's pull back the onion on that. That is critical because as this uh, uh, a study that came out just a couple of weeks ago said that 93% of new hires for Black startups and new black businesses are black people. They also said the reverse is true. 93% of new hires of white startups and, and white small businesses are white folk. Makes sense. You hire who you know, hire people from the community. Okay, I get it. But given those that data point, what does it say to you? It says, if we're going to create black jobs, what do we got to do? Create black businesses, help black businesses start. What are the two biggest hurdles or impediments and why do black businesses go out of business in their first two years? The majority, two, two things, undercapitalized from the get-go and two, inefficient, meaning it's just a high cost of doing business. They, they haven't learned all the tricks and, and things they can do using the highest level of technology to create less friction. All those things reach out to customers in a cheap way develop a customer base, lower their customer acquisition costs, all the different things that make it inefficient. So that's a death knell. If you don't have money and you're inefficient, you will go out of business. We could solve for both of those on the platform. Okay. Um, so you could see what we're building. We're building a platform that starts to be an ecosystem of creation. That's exactly what O.W. Gurley did with the Greenwood District. So we're literally trying to follow that blueprint on a digital platform. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And um, a couple of things that, that stood out to me is one, uh, we talked about like just pulling resources together. Um, that's something that Black Wall Street did. Um, the dollar circulated and um, uh, Greenwood ultimately grew. So for your platform, for like businesses, for Black, biz black owned businesses, uh, funding is an, uh, a barrier that we always have. Is there anything that comes to mind how we can fix that issue of just funding to get yes. businesses off the ground. Absolutely. This is, this is why I'm doing this. If we can actually start uh, getting our money into ascending value assets, how do folks, how do other communities, how have they built wealth? They built wealth mainly through in this country, real estate. All right. And so what, what do you do? You get a high value piece of real estate. You allow the equity and value to go up. And then what do you do? You draw off of that and then reinvest that money with to, to virtually no cost to yourself, right? You're basically using free money to buy another asset and you do it again. Look at very wealthy families. Do they sell the prize house? No, they just draw off of it and pass it down generation to generation. And, and that's how that works. And so, but here's the deal. Bitcoin allows us to do the exact same thing. You can take a loan off your holding. And when, when, the, when the equity value of that Bitcoin goes up, you, you can take a loan off it and do and then and use that to buy purchase and create liquidity on the platform. You can offer that. So, so the platform can offer you money and pay you 6%, whatever, for your holding, which is a nice little guaranteed return. And then again, take that money and offer it as a loan. That can happen on platform. The other piece is 
to support our MDIs, our minority depository institutions. Our minority depository institutions have been the bedrock of giving loans to small black businesses. 67% of the loans that are given to black businesses in this country come out of MDIs. Only 1% of the loans written by majority banks are go to black businesses, 1%. Wow. So that again tells you, if we don't have healthy minority depository institutions, we're choking out the loan opportunities. So that's another thing I'm focused on. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, we have to work and strive together to start pulling money together, start uh, building capital, because, um, you know, that's the most important currency, right, is to have capital so you can start uh, following and and growing and, and building together. So exactly. Um, and I'm not saying people have to change what they're doing. They just got to get out of cash, meaning there's enough cash already in our community in the form of mattress money that if we just convert that into Bitcoin, on my, you know, you go to the Black Wall Street, convert that right now. We gonna be all right, and 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 let's and then let's put our sights on another industry that takes three hundred billion dollars out of our out of our communities, and that's the payday lending industry, check cashing spots, rent to own these these predatory finance, so called financial services. Uh, 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 I mean, they, they should be criminal, but they're not. But we can put them out of business on the platform. Uh, another part of our roadmap: we want in the future for you to be able to take a picture of your paycheck. It gets auto deposited into your digital wallet for little, very little or no fee, and then all of a sudden you have the ability. It's right there to use it. Take the debit card that we'll have connected to it. Go to the ATM, get your cash out. You don't need to go to the payday lender and pay them eighteen to twenty-four percent. You could take just a little portion of that money you just got saved and put it into Bitcoin. The point is, is that the money's already there. And that's an argument I got into with what I'll call one of our highfalutin um, Negroes, you know, from the financial services industry. You know, hell, this is so irresponsible. You can't be talking, uh, you know, telling vulnerable, financially vulnerable communities to invest in such a volatile asset class like Bitcoin. Now, what are you doing? I said, how much Bitcoin do you have in your portfolio? Oh, what do you, whoa, 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 what do you mean? And I said, well, how much, what, what percentage of your portfolio is Bitcoin? Oh, uh, probably around 5%. I said, so it's good enough for you, but it's not good enough for them? Oh, uh, really? Hmm, that's interesting. Well, it's just so volatile. What if they need the money next Friday? I said, well, that's why they got to learn the dollar cost average and put you know, $5 a day, $5 a week, $5 a month. Don't put in, if you feel like you need it next week, don't put, don't put in a thousand dollars today. Do not do that. No one's telling you that people are telling them to be responsible, but, but it's irresponsible and elitist and ridiculous for you to sit back and dissuade people from an entire asset class that your ass is actually in assuming that, oh, they don't have a lot of money. So they should just keep doing what they're doing. They don't have a lot of money because they're stuck because of people like you and your predatory financial practices at those investment banks. They need this Bitcoin. They need to get out. So, so, so I, I have a lot of those conversations and I'm going to keep fighting the fight, but I need people to show and prove. I need people to download the app. I need people to do it and do it in small ways. That's the whole point I'm trying to say. And I am not giving, let's be very clear. I'm not giving anybody any financial advice or investment advice right now. I am not an investment professional. I'm not a licensed investment professional. I'm telling you what I do and I'm telling you what's worked well for me. And if you want to follow what I do and the reason why I created this wallet is, is for this reason, for us, by us. And it's open up the account, see the wallet, and just do $5 a day, $10. Don't even look at the price. Be agnostic to price. Don't try to be a trader. Robin Hood is Robin the Hood because it's telling people that they should try to trade. No, you're going to get your lunch eaten by the people who got three screens up that do this for a living. Don't try to out trade traders unless you totally want to just learn that, study that, and that's what you want to do all day. What you should do is set it and forget it. $5 a day. Dollar cost average two years from now, you'd be like, what? I didn't even notice that $5. But if you don't have $5 a day, $5 a week. If you got $20 a day, $20 a day. If you don't have $20 a day, $20 a week. I don't care what the number is, just dollar cost average into the asset class. 
So yeah. I, I actually want to peel that onion back a little bit. Okay. Um, so, so Bitcoin, you mentioned Bitcoin, um, but now there's a lot of talk about uh, CBDCs now. So like, where do you see that interaction between, you know, the centralized and the decentralized cryptocurrency space? It's tough. And I'll tell you why. There's 9,200 cryptos out there in the universe. And that's probably by next month, there'll be 9,500. And then the next month, there'll be 10,000. Next month, you know. So there's going to be so many. And the analogy I like to paint is that there's a big difference between if you get into the stock market, buying Google stock and going to the pink sheets and penny stocks. And someone could try to convince you, man, I found this penny stock. It's only three cents. It might go up to 10 cents and you make triple your money. Yeah, it might, but it also might go to zero and there's no one to buy it on the way down. So we have to remember that any type of money usage, I call it smart money versus dumb money. Not all money is equal and the way you use your money is not equal. You have to think everyone always runs to upside conversations, but you just as equal, you have to manage your downside. It's called risk management. That is just as important as the other. So sure, penny stock might go up, but if I put it in Google, I'm, I'm looking at risk management. Google is a triple blue star asset that is not going out of business. So I know it may go like this, but half of all money in crypto, there's $2 trillion total in crypto. Half of all money in crypto is in Bitcoin. So from the risk management perspective, what does that tell you? It tells you if the price starts to go down, there are there's significantly more money in the asset class to buy it as it goes. The problem with these other assets is that since there's much less liquidity and much less money, if it drops, it goes. And there may not be anybody to buy it on the way down and you can't get out of it and you're left holding it. And so that's why when people got stuck with Dogecoin, buying it at 65 and after Saturday Night Live, watching it drop, you know, meme coins without any scarcity baked in, you know, that's like going to Vegas. I mean, at least if you go to Vegas, they give you a free drink, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not saying don't do it because everyone has freedom of choice, but, but, and so, so I guess my point ultimately is, if you are dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin, you know, steady, steady state, and you decide you have X amount of dollars that you want to play with, just like going to Vegas, or you would have spent it, you know, going out drinking or going out to the strip club or whatever, you're going to put it into Doge or whatever and trade and play with that and learn, do that. That's fine. I'm not one of these Bitcoin only maximalist saying, if you're doing anything Bitcoin, you're being irresponsible. Yeah, it's horrible. No, but have a foundation. I've articulated a goal that every black person in America hold at least a million Satoshis of Bitcoin. Okay. A Satoshi, for those who are listening who don't know, is a fractal share of a Bitcoin. Okay. Every single one Bitcoin is broken into a hundred million Satoshis. So if you had 100 sets of a million Satoshi. So every 100 Black people, if each person had a million Satoshis minimum, that they would own a Bitcoin. Okay. Every 100. So if we have every Black person in America, you know, basically, you know, let's just say 50 million folk. It's not quite that number, but I'm just going to say it because, you know, uh, there's a lot of folks passing out there. Let's mm-hmm. just, you know what I'm saying? So, so that just shows you that we had 50 million folks holding a million Satoshis each. We would control a massive amount of Bitcoin. And, you know, there's only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be minted. And what makes it even more scarce is that there is a good portion of Bitcoin that's, that's been lost. In other words, it'll never be recovered. And so, it's even more scarce than 21 million. 
And there are 40, I think 48 million millionaires in the world. So there aren't even enough Bitcoin that will ever be minted for every millionaire to hold one. And, and that's a powerful statistic. It shows you that there is no question that scarcity with it combined with this asset class is going to run up the price over time. And, you know, I can't predict what's price is going to be next week, next month, next year, two years from now. But I can tell you 10 years from now, eight years from now, 12 years from now, 15, it's going to be significantly higher than it is now that you can take that to the bank literally or take that to the black wall street digital wallet. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and just to follow up with that, you know, for our listeners who are not familiar with cryptocurrency, can you break down what exactly is Bitcoin and blockchain? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the easiest way to think about um, Bitcoin and blockchain technology, I believe is to think of digital real estate. What makes real estate valuable is scarcity and the fact that they're not making any more land. What makes beachfront real estate even more valuable is because that's even more scarce. And so the way to think about Bitcoin, in my opinion, is since there's only 21 million to be minted, think about it almost like a block of 21 million slices. And every, and people talk about buy back the block. Every time you buy a portion of a Bitcoin, you're literally buying and owning a piece of that block chain, that, that ledger, that, that piece. And, and as more people buy it and they want in almost like monopoly, they, the price starts getting bid up because they want to buy on, they want that, some of that real estate. And, and so that's fundamentally what makes Bitcoin so powerful because it's really simple. There's really no other use case for it except that. Now, people will layer on technology like the Lightning Network and other technology on top of the blockchain to let you use it and exchange it easier and more simply for goods and services. That's different. That's using it almost like saying, okay, you got this gold bar. Now you can't run around trading a gold bar for anything, but yo, if I make it into a gold chain and bring it over here, I'm, I'm, I'm still using gold, which has inherent value, but I've turned it into a gold chain. And that's what people do when they layer on new technology on something. But Bitcoin will never change. That's what people have to understand. Bitcoin is always going to be like that bar of gold. That's all it is. And that's really the fundamental brilliance of it. It doesn't try to do anything but be what it is. Uh, 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 a whole system, which is a blockchain of 21 million coins that are broken up again into 100 million Satoshis or fractal uh, amounts. And, and that's why even on my platform, we've been working on trying to present Satoshis on the platform, you know, so people can start making the, the mental relationship. Oh, dang, I can go and buy 10,000 Satoshis. I can definitely afford that. I can afford 20,000 Satoshis because I do believe just like how gold bars used to be the price. And then they had to, they got so expensive. They had to make start pricing gold in ounces. I do believe there will be a day. I don't know when that day will come, but we'll stop. We won't be actually talking about Bitcoin uh, because each Bitcoin will be just too expensive. We'll be talking. No one will be trading it. We'll be talking about Satoshis. Like how much is Satoshi? Oh, Satoshi is two cents. Satoshi's right now, Satoshi's like 0.00000 cents, you know, three cents, whatever. Someday Satoshi will be one cent. Someday it'll be two. Someday it'll be five. Someday it'll be 10. If Satoshi's ever make it to a dollar, that means Bitcoin, a single Bitcoin that is today 40. I mean, I, have to, I can look, hold on. I'll look at my Black Wall Street app in real time on here. There it is. Open. Bitcoin, 45,000. This is on, the, on my app, 45,485.49. So if a Satoshi ever makes it to a dollar, that exact Bitcoin that today is $45,000 will be 
worth $100 million. Okay. So Bitcoin, you like you like Bitcoin. You feel like Bitcoin is, is really going to be- I like other assets too. So, so I'm, I'm not going to ask you about okay. Ethereum. So what's up, what's, what's up with Ethereum? Let's talk, Ethereum, let's talk Ethereum. I think Ethereum is uh, a, 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 a good asset. I mine Ethereum actually. I don't mind. I don't mind Bitcoin. I mine Ethereum. I think Ethereum is better to mine, and um, and there are a lot of use cases for it. Uh, there are a few knocks against it, gas fees. There's also, um, you know, Bitcoin to me is always going to be the gold standard because it's so simple. I mean, it is what it is. It's just simple. It's like, you know. You go on to, you know, when you go into a basketball gym, like literally the hardwood floor and the size of the court, the height of the baskets, it's always the same. And you really don't want it to be different. You know what I mean? You don't want to show up and be like, hey, they made this court like, a th-. and you're like, dang, why isn't it? So that's what Bitcoin is. Now, Ethereum has all these different use cases that people can use it and layer on top of it. NFTs are incredible. There are all these different things that you can do with the platform. However, got to understand, you know, it's basically, you know, it's, it's run by folk, you know, and it's owned by folk and uh, which is a little different now. Now they would claim that that's not true, you know, <laughs> but then you ask them how much Ethereum are they holding? <laughs> and they're holding massive and massive and massive amounts of it. So, so um, all that's to say, does that make it wrong? No, I mean, shoot, Mark Zuckerberg has massive amounts of Facebook stock, right? So it doesn't make it wrong that if you're the person that invented it, you got a lot of it. Um, Bitcoin's different in that way. You know, there no one is holding that way. There is 1 million Bitcoin block that has never moved. And everybody's always wondered what that block is. Satoshi's. It's, it, it, you know, listen, my hope is to be quite honest. And I don't know if someone could have been this brilliant at the time of inception, but if they said, yo, if this becomes a global monetary standard, and I hold out a million of them, and the value just goes extremely high. With a million Bitcoin, you could literally redistribute the wealth in the world if the value goes up high enough, which would be incredible. So just so you understand, also what makes Bitcoin powerful, so those who are listening, is that every transaction is recorded. And so you can go in and see it for yourself, right? There's a block of a million that's never moved. Never, not one has ever traded, moved, or anything. And I don't know, is it built into the, the code? That it, is there a trigger? that once it reaches a certain price that it gets, I don't, I, I have no idea, but point is we can talk about science fiction some other yeah, time, but, cool. but, uh, but the point is, is that Ethereum, I, I, I hold it. Uh, I believe in it. it has a use case, but it also has competitors in that space. And so, you know, is Ethereum my space in, in, in this world, in this in, in its use case world and something else that's coming or Cardano or whatever else, uh, you know, Polkadot that has different use cases, fewer gas fees, new technologies. Um, you know, does that end up taking over in the, in the value? See, I think that there is so much room for all of these uh, that it's okay to do your own research, see what you like. But you also notice, you know, look at how all of these assets move in relation to Bitcoin. They're all moving in the same relationship. So that goes to show you, yeah, the money's ultimately, a lot of people, what they do is they make money in one of these altcoins. And then what do they do with that money? 
They don't buy keep it Bitcoin. Cash. They buy they buy Bitcoin. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that, that could be like a song, you know. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Buy Bitcoin. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Buy Bitcoin. Da, 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 you know, because that's exactly what they do. They they're not they're not cashing out and putting the US dollars into a savings account. Let's be very clear, because they know that's a loser. Reinvesting. Yep. Yeah, they're uh, reinvesting into a different asset, which is Bitcoin. That's what I did with um when, when Doji when Dogecoin hit 65, sold that, just bought Bitcoin. <laughs> just bought Bitcoin. Hey, that's smart, man. You got out. You got out. Oh, yeah, I, I knew it was gonna go down. I just knew it. <laughs> it was gonna go down. Now to the moon, I hear so. <laughs> To the space moon. Hey, well, yeah. I think it'll, I think it has an opportunity to hit a dollar. I do. I mean, I believe in, in the dollar. You know, that that's that's what we're socially uh, looking forward to. And I think it could, could happen. But, you know, in it terms could of happen. Use- but that doesn't see that's the, the point I try to make to people is that it's not whether Doge or Shibu Inu or space moon or whatever can hit a dollar or two dollars. That's not the point. The point is the fundamentals of the Bitcoin has. So you don't need, if you want to mess over there, that's fine, but still stick with some kind of fundamental strategy where you're still leading with the fundamentals. It's just like, yo, there's nothing wrong with breaking rules. If you've learned the fundamental, if you, you know, it's like, you know, my son does, he's five years old. He does art every day at school. Now, some of his art, you could say looks like Jackson Pollock and some modern, uh, crazy, uh, uh, expressionistic uh, uh, art, right? But he has not learned the fundamentals. So I don't believe that if I took his artwork to Christie's and Sotheby's, that there'd be a massive market for it like Jackson Pollock. Why? Because Jackson Pollock learned fundamentals before he started breaking the rules. And there's a, there's a, there's, I think, a foundational element. It's like, just like building a house. You know, if you're going to build a crazy house for me that's so interesting in design, I still want you to know how to build the foundation. You know, just don't come, don't build it like it's a movie set and that thing falls down. And that's where a lot of these altcoins are. There's nothing wrong with sticking your toe in them and messing around as long as you're also doing the fundamentals. Oh, absolutely. That's why I knew to sell at 65. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, good yeah. He's, the, he's, the, he's the crypto guru, guru right now. But remember so. this. I want to say this. This is important for the audience to hear. Everyone talk about value of this coin, that coin. But the most valuable thing you have, the most valuable asset you will ever have is your time. Mm-hmm. And Steve Jobs said he'd give away the billions and Pixar and Apple and every invention just to see his daughter graduate high school. He didn't get to see that. So if tracking coins and watching numbers and selling and jumping in and out and all of that is eating up time and you don't enjoy that, then that's why I want you to go to the Black Wall Street wallet, just set it and forget it and don't even think about it and live your life. There's some people that really get a joy out of that trading and watching Doge go up and down and watching Shibu Inu and watching Space Moon and whatever else which is fine. But for 99.9% of us, that just caused stress. Mm-hmm. Don't stress yourself out with it. You're going to do just fine in Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> Set it and forget it. Promise you. And push yourself, though. I push myself. Uh, I, I set numbers on a daily that I try to be uncomfortable with, to be quite honest. And I try to do smart DCA. So, you know, everyone can have their own number. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what I do. Again, if, if, if I see a drop of 5% or more, sometimes I double my DCA down, right? If it drops again the next day, double down again, drops again the next day, double down. And my Delta could be like 5% every in the 24 hour period. That's what they call a smart DCA because you're you're, you're, you're spending more as it drops. But if you don't even want to look at the price like that, you're still doing just fine, just setting and forget it. Forget about the price. Don't even check the price for the next year. Just set it and let it go. And, you know, I, I believe that you'll be happy.
No, I absolutely agree. I think I think crypto is the future. I mean, well, what, I mean, everything else is digitizing. Why not our currency? Like, well, well like what took so long? Right. So, exactly. so, so that leads me to my next question. You know, what, what are your thoughts on XRP and what's going on in that space? You know, it's real tough because regulation is a double edged sword. And people say, well, Hill, what do you mean by that? Well, when regulation jumps into assets, it starts to give them legitimacy. And when they have legitimacy, what happens? Institutional money starts pouring in. And if institutional money starts pouring into this asset class, like I said, there's only $2 trillion in all of crypto. If you just took a quarter of all pension funds and put them into crypto, I mean, the pricing on every altcoin, Bitcoin, every coin would go through the roof. And that only happens with regulation, right? The, you know, the, that, those, that type of institutional money. Now, the flip side of that, though, is regulation can also stifle uh, innovation and creativity and also decentralization. And we want decentralization. So I'm watching it very closely because, you know, I want to have multiple different offerings on the Black Wall Street. And, you know, right now, the Black Wall Street is simply a tech company. You know, we stay out of the flow of funds. We don't handle people's money. We don't handle the transaction. We use trusted companies like Plaid, Prime Trust and other companies to handle the actual transaction and we stay out of the flow of funds. But someday we want to be in the flow of funds. We'll want to have all of our trust, our MSB, which stands for money services business, our MTL money transfer license, have FinCEN and all the different 50 state licenses that costs millions and millions of dollars to set all that up. That's another barrier to entry. Why you don't see, you know, so many black companies as trust companies and all of that. But listen, we'll get there. We just got to build it one brick at a time. Um, but so I'm paying as much attention as I can, but either way it goes, we're going to be all right because either way that cookie crumbles, it helps the actual. And now there are plenty of people that take issue with me and say, Oh no, you're, you know, if there's any regulation that kills the, and it's just, it's a double-edged sword. So we have to watch it, but the power to self-custody still exists and the power being self-sovereign still exists, you know? So, uh, you know, as soon as XRP gets relisted on Coinbase, its price is going to go through the roof. I can't wait. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, And so, you know, the... It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Very. I, I had a, a question, um, you know, for specifically for our listeners and just anyone who's interested in, you know, starting to invest in crypto um, on your platform. What can people expect when they join and what sets it apart from any of these other uh, platforms? Well, what sets it apart right now is that it, it's it's really for us by us. I mean, that's, you know, I'm tired of all these different tech platforms monetizing black culture and we don't own it. Um, and you have videos. So what we do is pretty simple. You come into it. If you want to buy Bitcoin, let's just buy live right now. I'm going to buy some. I'm going to go here. I scroll down. Okay. There's Send it to me. There's the price. I'll buy it and send it to you. So I'm going to buy, let's say I'm going to buy $10. Boom. $10. You see the 10 pop up. I preview the buy. This is my cost. This is how much Bitcoin I'm going to get for this. 0.00021093 Bitcoin. I want us to be able to show this in Satoshi's, which we're working on, but it, it, you know, it is what it is. So that'll be coming soon. And then I'm going to confirm my buy. Boom. Confirm. Let's see what happens. You purchase zero points. This is I just did that live. So I'm done now. So you can buy Bitcoin, obviously, like I just did on the platform, but you can also watch these videos. See all learn crypto. So why did I create the Black Wall Street Wall? Then my co-founder Naja Roberts. What is Bitcoin? She explains that. Then 
needs versus wants. This is just a simple financial literacy idea that take care of your needs first before you do your wants, meaning pay your needs before you buy Bitcoin, right? Just simple stuff. And then who is Satoshi? She explains that. My co-founder explains who Satoshi is. Bitcoin is real estate. I talk sort of like I talked on here already. And then we have, how do I get started? DCA, dollar cost averaging, what is that? So those are just the initial videos that we have up. We'll be low, we have over 120 of those educational videos ready to go. We just don't want to overwhelm folks with too many videos. They're like, oh, there's too many videos. Do I have to watch them all? But we you know, even have people say, do I have to watch all these videos before I start? You know, it's like, no, you don't have to watch any of them if you don't want. But point being, we're going to have a lot of educational information on there. And then the, the, the next big, big step, though, is going to be the community. You know, we want to be different than every single other one. We just don't. We just haven't added this piece yet, which is we want people to be able to come on and use it like a social media tool. Talk to each other. You know, on Coinbase, you can't go and say, hey, yo, man. I see you're out here on Coinbase. Yo, man, you know, it's anonymous. We want you to be able to come on in here and talk to each other. You know, if you decide, you know, uh, you're loving uh, uh, XRP, I want you to be able to start an XRP, you know, chat. And, you know, in, in, in the app, you know, be the XRP lead person and actually develop your own community with XRP, I mean, you're seeing people doing on Reddit and all these other platforms where they actually start controlling what? Pricing and movements because they are working together. They're literally doing what the investment banks used to do, but in the reverse. In other words, screwing the retail consumer by moving something either down or up, and they already have their bet in on it, and they know they can move it. You know, they got mad when you see people actually doing it together. Like, oh, you can't do what we used to do, manipulate price. You can't do that. And so, so that I want people to be able to come in and chat and exchange information in it. So the community piece is big. I'm hoping to have that up uh, by the by the end of August, right? Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be speaking at the Invest Fest uh, for the brothers from Earn Your Leisure are putting on in Atlanta. I mean, obviously, if the Delta variant doesn't doesn't keep going crazy, you know, but uh, uh, virtual. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, don't virtual. I don't think they could. Uh, <laughs> you know, but so needless to say, I'm hoping. I want to launch the community piece there. Like I want to announce it's launching there. So I don't know if we'll be able to do it that quickly and get it done because it takes a lot of technology, but um, we've been working on it and I'm hoping that we'll have it ready. So, uh, but in any event, I hope your listeners won't wait to download the wallet. You know, I I mean, and I'm not saying we, we need to be the only wallet anybody out there uses. I use multiple wallets. Right. I use my wallet. I use other wallets. So I think you should use more than one wallet, but you should at least have ours as one of them and do small buys like you just saw me do on this wallet, Uh, because there is a social value and real value use case for being on this wallet for our community. And and it's just going to grow over time. And the only way we grow is having users, you know, that's the only, how we'll be analyzed for valuation. And if we want to actually have an infusion of capital without giving away the whole company um, so we can drive evaluation up, we need users. And, um, and so I, I'm just asking folks, please use it. And then, and then hit support with what you'd like to see different. Cause like I said, we have engineers working 24 seven changing stuff. And this is our, my opportunity to change it and make it better. And so I want people to feel like it's their app. You know, yo, I told them that there should be a button that says this and they put it on there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. This is all about iteration. That's what we think about technology. It's not like a movie where, you know, you shoot the movie, you cut it together and that's what you release. Like that's the movie. Technology is completely different. Technology is always able to iterate and change. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's not like, yo, Hill Harbor's app is trash. I can only buy Bitcoin. No, it's, Hey, Hill Harper, would you add Ethereum? Because I really like Ethereum. Or, hey, Hill Harper, add Guap coin because I really like Guap 
guap. Okay, we could do that. You know, so it's like it's really we want to be responsible to the community because we want the community to feel like it's their their app, which it is. Yeah, no, no, that that's that's perfect. Um, everyone, make sure you go check out the app, uh, the Black Wall Street. Uh, we should definitely pull our resources together. We should definitely support black owned businesses, right? And it's not asking in general, just to put all your money into something. It's more of like, give a percentage, give a small percentage um, to black owned, right? This is the only way that our businesses or technologies will grow if we don't start putting some of our money towards it, right? So we can pull our money together so we can grow. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to the day where we have like a, a, a black, uh, tech company that IPOs and we have a, a black billionaire from a tech company, right? That's going to motivate, inspire so many people. And it, it all just starts from us just downloading and, and starting to support black owned businesses. So um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for sharing thank your story. Uh, thank you so much for just breaking down uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency in your app. Um, lastly, Brown, you have any last questions? So well, 32 Life Podcast, we're all about redefining the Black experience. So we, we want to yeah. take the opportunity to ask you, and I know redefining the Black experience is subjective to everybody, but what does redefining the Black experience mean to you? You know, redefining Black experience means to me building Black wealth. I mean, because we will be redefining our experience if we do, because we have been mired in poverty, um, you know, I'll just say this, this, everybody should look up a study called the road to zero wealth, the road to zero wealth came out last year. Prosperity now put it out. It basically says that black people in America will be at zero or negative wealth by 2053. If something dramatic doesn't change. And McKinsey just came behind that study three weeks ago and said that the pandemic has moved that up 10 years and Latinos are 20 years behind us. So, so at the end of the day, Redefining will be creating and redistributing wealth to us, to ourselves. And we can do it. We can be our own reparations. Please download the Black Wall Street Wallet. Remember the word the when you go to the App Store, Google Play, the Black Wall Street Wallet. Download it, use it, check it out, uh, and, 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 and hit us, hit support and help me iterate. Um, I appreciate everybody. Thank you. Um, and, and any questions folks have, they can DM me. Um, and I'll try to help them with it. I had a guy DM me about the wallet and, and got him some, some, some help he needed, um, the other day. So, so all of this works together We're in, technology is allowing us to communicate with each other in ways we'd never done before. So let's use that ability to actually leverage and lift each other up. So I appreciate this, even this platform, again, a way for us to communicate that we we'd have to meet each other in a barbershop to have this conversation. And instead we can have it with thousands of people on this platform. So this is powerful. Let's use the tool for good. You know, use the tool to build black wealth. Yes. Let's lift as we climb and create this digital black wall street. So uh, I love uh, everything that you represent. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, lastly, where can people actually find you? I know you referenced your Instagram, but where, if people yeah. reach out to you. Go to my Instagram at Hill Harper, my Twitter at Hill Harper. You go, you could also text me on my community number, which is 918-262-4604, 918-262-4604. Any of those ways. Uh, uh, you connect. Uh, and, you know, when you hit support in the Black Wall Street and send an email to support, that's another way to connect. You know, uh, we this is we're in the connection business. We're in the community building business. This is what this is. And so, um, you know, let's build it together. Love it. Love it. And last words um, for anyone who's looking to build wealth or just change their circumstances. Any final words or advice for anyone listening right now? Remember smart money versus dumb money. You know, if you want to go to just some foundational stuff, my book, The Wealth Cure, is really just doesn't talk about crypto. It came out 10 years ago. It talks about just fundamental financial stuff and like a told in a fun story way. And and but one of my big points is remember smart money versus dumb money. Most of us have been taught that money's money, a dollar's a dollar. It's not true. There's money that's working for you and there's money that's actually working against you. And, and, and money is not agnostic. It's just a tool. So the question is, whatever you spent your money or use that money for that day, when your head is the pillow, by the time you wake up the next morning, did it severely depreciate in value? 
like new car or brand new sneakers and stuff like that. Uh, particularly if you paid for it with a credit card, so you're actually paying interest on top of something that's depreciating, or did it actually increase or greater value by the time you wake up, like uh, investing in Bitcoin and sending value asset class over the long term. And so spend and use your tool of money smart, the smart money way, and avoid dumb money. That's my biggest piece, general takeaway. Love that. Love that. It's all about knowing what, what are true assets and what are li- true liabilities. So yes, yes. Love that. Thank you so much, Hill. I really appreciate Thank you it. So much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining. Yeah. It's a life experience. Appreciate it. Thank you.